Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Well, tonight we're talking about, we're finishing Hot Topics. And thank you guys for the, your courage in just coming every week and talking about things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Um, I was shocked that when I said we were going to talk about pornography that we had so many people come because that's not something that people like to talk about. Um, we've talked about pornography. We talked about social media. Last week, we talked about, about depression. Tonight, um, we're going to talk about the one where when I was going through and telling you all the things we were going to talk about, tonight, this is the one that when I said, we're, t- we're going to talk about anxiety, everybody was always like, oh my goodness, let me tell you about what I got going on. Like, it was one of those things that just seems like a lot of people, that they deal with it in some form or another. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about anxiety. Um, Before we get into what the Bible has to say, um, for those of you that don't think this is necessarily something we should talk about, um, I want to talk about the symptoms of anxiety. What does it really mean to have anxiety um, according to medical sources? Well, um, here are some symptoms. Sudden overwhelming fear, racing heart, shortness of breath, chest or stomach pain, um, the feeling of being detached from the world, um, of <clears throat> a fear of dying, fear of being in social situations, difficulty concentrating, and explosive anger. Um, that, that is a short list. There's, there's you know, obviously many more symptoms than that, and it manifests, you know, it, it shows up differently in different people's lives. That's a short list. Is it really that big of a deal? Well, let's look at the numbers when it comes to depression. One out of every four teenagers will struggle with depression at some point in their lives. And the, those numbers, by the way, have been steadily rising over the course of the decades. Um, it seems, according to statistics, bear this out anyway, that girls seem to struggle with this on a larger scale um, than guys do. And a lot of studies have gone into the pressures that are unique, that our society and our culture seems to place on girls that they don't place on guys, which is totally unfair, totally wrong, um, but that seems to be the reality of the situation in our, our culture right now. Um, nearly one in three teenagers will meet the criteria of an anxiety disorder before the age of 18. So think about that just in, in, represented here in our youth group. One, two, three. 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 Think about that. One out of every three. Um, the final one, high school students today, my high schoolers, um, high school students today have more anxiety symptoms, twice as many actually, than they did in the 1980s. Think Stranger Things time, I guess, you know, uh, the 1980s. And they're twice as likely to see a mental health professional about anxiety as teens in the 1980s. So there have been a lot of studies that have gone into why exactly does it seem like anxiety. And By the way, these, these statistics are five years old. They haven't done a big comprehensive study since then. So most statisticians, doesn't that sound intelligent to say the word statistician? Most statisticians believe that when the next study comes out, it's going to be exponentially higher because of the rise of social media, some of the things that are going on. Um, so what are some of the causes? Like, why is this generation, why is your generation, why does your generation seem to struggle with anxiety more than previous generations? Well, here are some of the causes, and tell me that these causes aren't magnified in your generation more than they were in any previous generation. Um, the first is trauma. You had something traumatic happen to you. You lost somebody that you loved. Um, somebody hurt you. Um, something big happened that shook your world. 
Um, that is a cause of anxiety. Lack of sleep. Can I get an amen? Um, your, you know, the amount of sleep that teenagers have been, that they get on an average basis has been steadily declining pretty much since the 1980s, since you know, cable, cable television, you know, and, and you're, you, you've, there's never been a more sleepless generation, a more tired generation than your generation. Um, stress can cause anxiety, stressful situations. So some of you, you, you feel like your life is just one big stressful situation. Um, you know, even, and they talk about specific stress that can cause it. Stress from work, which not everybody here has a job, but you, um, they say stress from school. Um, you go to school, you get so worked up, you get so, because of all the things that are going on and the homework that is just being piled on you. you know, some of you, I don't know how you do it between AP, between honors, and then even in the summer, they won't just even let you have a summer. You have summer reading, right? You know, and you have, there, there, there's all these academic expectations, and then you want to get into a good college, you want to get good grades so you can get scholarships. So you got the ACT looming, some of you guys. There's all this pressure. Um, relationships. Um, I, can never, I, I can't even imagine dating in the Instagram generation. I'm, yeah, I, I'm thankful that I got married before Instagram was a big thing um, because dating is just so on top. You know, we're going to be talking about that in, a, yeah, in, in the spring. We're going to talk about dating. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to yeah, go with a fishing metaphor. Um, you know, we're going to talk about catfishes, <laughs> you know, largemouth bass, you know, it's going to be interesting. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'll let you figure out who those people are. Um, but, but relationships are such a stress. There's, they can be so stressful. Um, another cause is drug abuse. Um, you know, in, in a strange twist, you know, a lot of people, they, they turn to drugs thinking that it will help with their stress. Um, but being stoned does not help you get any relief from the symptoms of anxiety, according to the, the studies. Um, those are all external causes, you know, pressures that are externally on you, but then there are also internal causes of, uh, of anxiety. Um, an anxiety disorder. Um, sometimes with, with no explanation, you just have this overwhelming anxiety, this overwhelming fear, this overwhelming panic that you can't shake, and everything around you is, is, is for the most part, okay, but you just can't, you can't get over it. Um, and then in a, in a cruel kind of twist of irony, um, a lot of people who suffer from depression, because of the stress of dealing with depression, it becomes anxiety too. Um, so when you hear all that, what keeps you up at night? You know, what, what is the thing that makes it to where you can't sleep? Is it an external pressure? Is it you're thinking about the work that you didn't do? that needs to be turned in tomorrow, or, you know, a couple, some of you were in my tag, we're talking about, like, the seven math assignments or something you didn't get turned in yet, and, you know, and, and you need to get them turned in. You know, is, is it an external thing, or is it something that is just going on in your mind that you can't, that you can't beat, and as much as you try, you can't? What is it that keeps you up at night? I want you to name that thing. I want you to think about that thing. And as we think about it, we realize that that didn't just happen. Um, Satan is portrayed as the thief who comes to, we talked about this during our pornography lesson, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Satan isn't the cause of everybody's anxiety. Um, sometimes it's a biochemical type of a thing, and I understand that. But don't you think if Satan has discovered a, a, a weakness or a difficult point in your life, don't you think he's going to exploit that? Don't you think that the pressure of the world around you can contribute to that? And sometimes it's our own body that turns against us. Tonight, I don't want to talk too much about 
what keeps you up at night. Because what keeps you up at night is the reason you can't sleep. What keeps you up at night is the reason that you're, you're, you're struggling right now. It's the reason that you're paralyzed right now. What we need to do is we need to take our focus off of our anxiety and our fear. And we need to turn our focus to Jesus. So the big punch, kind of punchline tonight, because um, I know some of you always write it down, so I, I've been starting to just put it on the screen. It, it's, it's this. Um, anxiety is when fear holds my mind hostage. It's fear on steroids. It's fear run amok in my life. Anxiety is when fear holds my mind hostage. Peace is when fear meets Jesus. And tonight, we're going to talk about Jesus, where he speaks specifically about anxiety. You don't have to wonder what God thinks about this. You don't have to wonder what the Bible has to say about this. Jesus speaks exactly to this situation. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, um, as you know, we don't just read a couple verses and assume that we know what it means. And we have to understand the situation of the Bible, right? We have to understand the situation in which this was written. Matthew chapter 6 is in a bigger section of the Bible um, of, that records Jesus' words, and the section is called the Sermon on the Mount. Some people have called it the greatest sermon ever because Jesus had this huge crowd gathered on a mountainside, thousands of people, and he preached for hours. You think I talk long. You think I talk long. Imagine if it was Jesus talking, and he talked for two. I mean, I think you guys would enjoy Jesus much more than me, I know. But Jesus talked for hours, and he talked about everything from sexuality to divorce to giving to how to be happy to the kingdom of God. And inside there, he talks about anxiety. And when he talked about anxiety, it was part of this larger section of things that he was talking about when it comes to money. And he was talking to an audience of Jewish people. You know, we're Americans, <laughs> or as George W. Bush liked to say, Americans. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys are too young to remember that, probably <laughs> Americans. But um, but we're yeah, so we kind of understand. We kind of have a collective mindset. But the Jewish people had a collective mindset. And remember how I said what trauma can cause anxiety, like terrible things that happen in your past can cause anxiety. Well, with the Jewish people, they had a trauma in their history, and this was the trauma. The trauma was that for hundreds and hundreds of years, other nations had invaded their country, had stolen all their wealth, and taken all their leaders to other places. And it just didn't just happen once. It happened with the Babylonians. Hey, guys, up here, please. If you want to talk, you can head out the door. If you want to stay here and listen to God's word, you can stay here. Um, the Babylonians came in, stole all their money and all their people. Then the Assyrians came in, stole all their money and all their people. Then the Persians came in, stole all their money and all their people. Then the Greeks came in, stole all their money and all their people. Then the Romans came in, taxed them to death, stole all their money and all their people. Can you imagine they would be a little paranoid with that kind of a traumatic thing that happened again and again and again and again to their country? So you know what they started doing? They started doing whatever it took to stockpile as much money as they could in their house because they never knew if somebody would try to take their money and leave them without food, leave them without clothing, leave them without what they needed to survive. So they became very greedy people. They started cheating each other, family members, friends out of money because the, the, what was most important to them was money. Their king was money. And Jesus talked about that earlier in chapter 6. But Jesus got to the core of the issue. And some of you, the reason you can't, you're, having, you're struggling living for God 
is because the core of the issue is the anxiety, the fear, the fear run amok in your life, just like it was in the Israelites, in the Jewish people, the Judeans' life. So as Jesus is talking about that, he tells them some advice. How do you overcome this anxiety? Well, let's read in Matthew chapter 6. This is what he says. He says, verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not reap or sow, or, or they do not reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon, in all his splendor, was not dressed like, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. There's a theme here. Jesus tells us that in order to beat anxiety, there's this one thing that we must do, and it's this. And if you look in the chapter, it occurs three times in the chapter. And I highlight it for you on here so you can see it. Verse 25, do not worry. Verse 31, do not worry. Verse 34, do not worry. This word for worry is the word merinmano in Greek, which has to do with being anxious about something. So it's not just like, like I'm going to put my seatbelt on because I'm, yeah, I don't want to get, in, yeah, get hurt if I get in a wreck. That's just kind of a healthy concern. This is anxiety is what this word means. It means fear run amok. It means fear in control of your life. And it says here, do not worry. Do not worry. And look at what it's, the, the two kind of, we talked about internal pressures, external pressures. It says, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or what you'll wear. Then it says in verse 31, don't worry, saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? Talking about worrying about like external things. It says, don't worry about those things because Jesus is going to take care of them. And then in verse 34, it talks about internal worries. This is the... the Anxiety just feels like it's, it's, it's moved into your brain and won't move out even though you've tried to kick it out of the door like, you know, like, like your great aunt Sally who won't leave when she comes for vacation. It says, do not worry about tomorrow. Those are the, what we would consider maybe irrational fears. We know we shouldn't be worried about it, but we are. We know nothing bad is going to happen to us in that social situation, but it paralyzes us with fear. So Jesus says, do not worry. You may think, well, Matt, that's not exactly a... <laughs> <laughs> that's not exactly uh, something new there. You know, thank you, Captain Obvious. I know I'm not supposed to worry, but the problem is I'm worried, and I can't not worry. And I think, obviously, Jesus understood that, and Jesus knew that it wasn't as simple as just, oh, well, I'm not supposed to worry? Well, I wish I would have known that about five years ago. You know, it's not that simple, is it? Not that simple to beat it. If it were that simple, you would have beat anxiety years ago. Jesus gives us instructions. He doesn't just tell us what. He doesn't just tell us, don't worry. He gives us the how. And we're going to look at three hows, three ways in which we, by turning our focus to God, can beat anxiety on a daily basis. I, didn't, I couldn't figure out F words for these. They're L words. I'm sorry. 
I was three for three, and now I'm three for four. But the first one is look. Look at your value in the eyes of a heavenly father. Read this in verse, um, in, in verse th- I've got my Bible mar- marked up so much, sometimes I can't even see the numbers. Verse 26, it says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. He says, look at the birds of the air. That's Jesus' first command to us. And this word for look, um, <laughs> I won't be able to pronounce it. I've got to read it. It's emblepo. I feel like that's one if you say it wrong, it would sound wrong. Um, emblepo, which means to fix one's mind on a definite object. And when we think sometimes of look, we think of when you're scrolling through Instagram and you like give like 0.2 seconds to looking at your friend's picture, you like it, and you move on to the next one and you totally forget it. That's not what he means. He doesn't mean glance. He says, fix your eyes. Look intently on birds. What? Well, that's what Jesus told us to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to look intently upon birds. I got this video clip, Jeff. If you'll just kind of let it play as we're, you know, as we're talking. Um, Jesus obviously knew what he was saying when he told us to look at a bird. Um, you know what kind of bird that is? If you follow me on Instagram, I posted about it yesterday. It's the Rufus Hummingbird. You can hear him tweeting if you listen real closely. It's the Rufus Hummingbird. This bird is tiny. This bird is eight centimeters long, which is 1.3 inches long. The bird weighs 0.12 ounces. You realize how light that is? 0.12 ounces. Now get this. Two weeks ago, according to most, um, oh, what do you call them? The people that are into birds. There's a fancy word if you think about it, let me know. But um, uh, anyway, two weeks ago, the Rufus hummingbird began its spring migration. The Rufus hummingbird leaves Mexico every spring and migrates 4,000 miles to Alaska. That's where it ends up in the summer. And when the winter sets in, it migrates 4,000 miles back to Mexico. Four Orontologist. Ornithologist, thank you. So think about this. The Rufus hummingbird, it's not like, I hate geese, but it's not like geese. They don't travel in, in, in groups. They don't do a flying V, you know. They, they travel solo. So this little bird, I mean, it's this little. It travels 4,000 miles by itself, day after day after day. The, um, the scientists, I can't remember that word. The scientists say that if they leave for their migration a couple weeks too early, where the route will be too cold, there will be no plant life for it to eat and it will die. If they leave two or three weeks too late, the air will be too warm to where they can't respirate at the right rate and they will overheat and not be able to make the migration. All this to say, when God says, look at the birds of the air, here's what he's saying. He's saying, look at how, let's read it, he says, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. God knows exactly when to send the Rufus hummingbird on its migration. He knows exactly where that bird is going to land every day to where it can find the food source it needs. Even though it's so tiny, God knows where that silly little bird is that we don't even care about. He doesn't just talk about it here. He talks about it in Matthew chapter 10 too. And he talks, about, he talks about another small bird. He talks about the sparrow. 
he says, don't be afraid. In uh, Matthew 10, tw uh, 28, he says, don't be afraid. Or no, 29, he says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Not yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very numbers of yours, speaking to you, your heads are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And look at what he says very similarly in our passage here in Matthew chapter 6. He says, are you not much more valuable than the birds of the air? You want to know where the value comes from? Look, it's right here. He says, your heavenly Father. This is what sets you apart from the birds which the creator cares for in an intricate, intimate way is that you're not just a, another one of his created beings. You are his son. You are his daughter. And maybe you've had an instance where, you know, your dad failed you. The, the person in your life who is supposed to be your dad is kind of a deadbeat dad. God is not a deadbeat dad. God is not a deadbeat heavenly father. God wants to be intimately involved in your life and care for you. The question is... Can you put this pronoun in front of the name Heavenly Father? Is he your Heavenly Father? Do you have the Holy Spirit inside you? Have you accepted Christ into your heart? Where you have the Holy Spirit inside you that testifies that you're his child, and in Romans 8 says he calls out Abba Father. When you look, not just, oh yeah, cute bird, when you really think about how God is such a caring God, and every day you turn your gaze onto that, you turn your eyes onto that, you turn your thoughts onto that, and you train your brain to think about that, you start to realize just how valuable you are in God's eyes. So we look at our value in the eyes of the Heavenly Father. The next L word is we learn. We learn from the unstoppable beauty of God. So he goes on, and he says, this is how you do not worry. He says, see how the flowers of the field grow. This word see, that's another hard Greek word that I have to read off this paper because I would never be able to remember. It's katamantharno. Just rolls off the tongue, right? Um, it means to learn thoroughly, examine carefully, consider well, or learn from. So it's more than just a glance. It's more than just a, a, a quick scroll through on your, on, on your feed. It says learn, see the flowers of the field. See what we're going to do? Because Jesus told us to do it. We're going to look at flowers. Now I know what that is. Botanist. Flower specialists are called botanists. And people who are just good at growing things are called horticulturalists. You guys impressed? Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so I've got a picture on here of my, my Grammy, who she lives in Pennsylvania. These are her favorite flowers to plant. Anybody know what kind of flower this is or bush this is? Not a rhododendron. It's similar. Oh, was that Kate back there? Kate is quite the horticulturalist, the, quite the botanist. She has quite a, quite a garden at her house, but, or flower garden. Um, it's called a hydrangea. What is so interesting about the hydrangea is I could buy the same plant, cut it in half. I could, I could hold on to half of the plant, and I could give another half of the plant to Marshall. Marshall could take that plant home and plant it in his front yard. I could take mine, same plant, remember my part of the plant home, plant it in my front yard. Marshall's may get purple blooms, and mine may get blue blooms. Same plant. How, how is that possible? Como es posible? Anybody know? 
Who said that? Who's, who's the, Caden's quite the horticulturalist, apparently. Um, what's interesting about the hydrangea bush is depending on the acidity of the soil that it's planted in determines the color of the bloom. So there have been cases, and you see it here, where the acidity of the soil in these bushes changes from here to here. So the ones planted here look different than here that look different than here. So when God is talking about here, he's talking about, see how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. In verse 30, it says, God clothes the plants. He creates them. He makes them beautiful. Think about how God is so intimately involved in creation to where when a seed, a hydrangea seed falls in the ground, God already had it figured out for it to fall in that particular part of the ground with that level of acidity in the soil so the bloom would look that particular color. Wow. So he's saying that. He's saying God is this much of a detail-oriented person when it comes to a stupid flower that's going to fall or get eaten by deer, which happened at my house, or just wither away. What does he say? He says, will he not much more clothe you just as intimately as God is involved with a seed landing in a particular kind of soil. God is involved more so in your life in putting you exactly where he wants you to be. Some, some, some of you guys, I know you've talked to me about this, you're not happy where you are. Like you're not happy where you are in life. You're not happy where you are in your house. You're not happy where you are in your school. You ever think about the fact that God wanted to plant you there because he knew that planting you there would create this particular kind of life and this particular kind of beauty in you that would never be like if you were planted here or planted here or planted here. So some of the circumstances that are your greatest fear are the actual circumstances that God wants you to be in so that he can make you who he wants you to be. When God says... See the flowers in the field, he says. See them. Think about them. Don't just say, oh, cool facts. Think about them. So we look at our value in the eyes of a faithful father. We learn from the unstoppable beauty of God. Here's the final L word. We live in the security of God's promises. Jesus kind of ties it all together in a bow tie by saying this verse that, I, when I was at school, I memorized this verse in Mrs. Weeby's class, for those of you that, Got to have Mrs. Weeby at Grace Christian. Um, I memorized this verse, but I never really understood how it fit into the whole passage here. It says, and here we are again, big but. <laughs> um, it says, but seek ye first, or that's the old version I memorized it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The verse preceding, it says, the pagans run after all these things. Pagans is a word for people who don't know God, right? That's, you know, we think of it today in more of a pejorative term like, you pagan! You know, that's, that's not what he means here. He says people who don't know God, they run after things out of fear. But, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek his kingdom, make him Lord of your life, not the fear. And his righteousness, seek yourself for who you are in Christ. And all these things that you're worried about, whether they're going to happen, whether they won't happen, God will take care of it. So don't worry about tomorrow. 
This is kind of, I meant to say this in every lesson, and I can't remember if I have or if I haven't, but this is kind of the theme of, the, uh, of this series, is that every defeated Christian has one thing in common. There's one common denominator among every defeated Christian, and it's this. They've forgotten who they are in Christ. And when you see this, it says, seek first his kingdom. You are a servant of God. You are a child of God. And his righteousness, our right, his righteousness was imputed to us, was put on us by Jesus dying on the cross. We see ourselves through who we are in Christ. And all these things will be added to you. So those are the, those are the L words. I'm going to ask Jeff just to skip to the last session with my T words. <laughs> there it is. And I just want to ask you to take a picture of this. I'm going to post it on social media later. Um, but these are some practical ways to, ta- to annihilate anxiety. The first is tackle. Deal with your past. Right? If something happened to you, deal with it. Um, the next is talk to someone. Um, I posted mine in April's numbers um, last week on Instagram. They're still on Instagram. Um, if you need someone to talk to, you know, scientists have, have determined that one of the ways in which you heal from things that have happened to you in the past is that you talk to somebody and that just the process of telling your story to someone reconnects, this is getting scientific here, but reconnects neural pathways in your brain to help your brain to become balanced and to help your life to become whole and for you to have peace. And the next one is take, take care of your body. Some of you aren't treating your body like the temple of God. You're treating it like a trash can. Uh, <laughs> take care of your body. This means getting medical help. I, there have been, I've, I've heard never in this church, but I've heard of pastors who have said, if you are struggling with a mental disorder, it just means you're not right with God. That is a bunch of stuff I can't say. That's wrong. If you need medical help, get medical help. God, doctors, medication nurses are a blessing from God. They come from God. Set healthy limits. You don't have to say yes to everything. And get some daggone sleep. Go home and sleep. And the final thing is change your brain. This is a very practical thing you could try to do. Take an index card. We probably have some index cards if you need some in the back. And when you start feeling that anxiety, come on, write down some promises from God that you can hold on to from the Bible. So the reason we, um, the reason we uh, didn't do the second song, we just didn't have time for it, and I wanted to make sure we had time to do this tonight. We always end in prayer. Um, tonight, instead of um, putting one person in the middle and praying for them like we usually do, what I want to ask you to do and just give you the opportunity to do um, is to take that one thing that keeps you up at night, that one thing that you just can't seem to get over, that one thing that scares you to death, and I want to give you the opportunity to give it to God. Um, Our life becomes so fast-paced and so quick, sometimes we don't have time to just spend time talking to God. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a quick prayer. When When I finish praying, if you need to go, go ahead and leave. If you want to spend some time up here, like we do sometimes, talking to God, I'll be up here (laughs) talking to God, Um, I would invite you to join me in just kneeling down and praying, and I'll leave the building open as long as you need to pray. If you want to stay here till midnight, I'll put a hot pocket in the microwave, and I'll keep the building open till midnight if you need to spend time with God. Um, So Jeff's going to come up and just kind of play, just so it's not so awkward. Um, And I'm going to pray for us. If, if, If you want to pray, just come on up. Um, when you're done praying, if you'll just kind of leave quietly, you can talk out yeah, in, in the in downstairs on the second floor if you want to hang out. Um, 
But if you're leaving, just please leave quietly out of respect for people that are praying. Um, so let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Um, we'll pray. Um, and then I'll probably put, ask maybe a leader or two to get back there with calendars to hand out as, as, as people are leaving. Uh, so let's pray. And then um, if you guys want to bring something to God, uh, you're welcome to join me up front. Uh, Father, this is, uh, this is a moment for some people. This is a moment for me. Um, God, we want to experience what it means to have our thoughts fixed on you, to have a wholeness of our, of our mind and our heart. Uh, so God, I pray um, that you will give us courage um, to give our fears to you, to give our anxiety to you, and make it a daily decision to turn our thoughts and turn our focus toward you in this battle. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.